You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. We just want to encourage you guys, if you are not doing experiencing God, highly, highly, highly recommend it. If Pastor Jody himself was here, he'd probably go, I highly, you see what I did? No, don't worry about it. But we want to recommend you guys go through experiencing God. Um, as a church, um, it has been one of the, the greatest things I think we have done as a body of believers here at Cornerstone. Um, so I want to encourage you guys because that's what we we're talking about. This whole series, we're talking about experiencing God. And here's the deal. As I was thinking about experiencing God, God kind of gave me a picture of a car. Now, I know some of you guys know what a car is. Some of you guys, like, I don't get all the intricate details of a car. I don't either. I just know that you put the key in the car and it goes fast, right? But he gave me the picture of a car. For a long time in my life, I thought I was a car. I thought I was the one that had to drive long and hard. I had thought I was the one that had to, it, I was determined my success on how fast I go. And God was like, you have missed the complete picture. You're but a key in the car. Or you're but the gasoline, but the steering wheel, but the pedal. We're only a part of the grand picture of what God is doing. So when he invites us into something, he's inviting us to do what he's already doing. And we're just playing a part. Better picture, we're on a road trip and you're the passenger. Yes, it would be awesome if you had directions where you're going. I know I've been on road trips and your kids ask you, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Right? Often you want to know where you're going. But most of the time, God said, hey, we're going to go over here. Will you go with me? And he's, he's going to take you. He's going to provide the, provide the fuel. He's providing the car. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Jesus, Lord Jesus. Hold on. Stop. I'm sorry. My aunties are in the audience. I didn't even realize two of my aunties are in the audience right there. Auntie Lisa, Auntie Leslie, they're right there. They're my mama's sisters. I didn't even realize they showed up. Okay, Lord Jesus, now I got to act right. Woo, let me be a Christian now. No, that's what you, they know I don't have any sense. Um, but often we're just on the road trip with Jesus. So today, as we continue the study on experiencing God, we're going to look at the next reality. God has been dis, uh, displaying to us or showing us all these different realities of what it means to experience a God. And so the first reality we learned about is that God is working. He's always at work all around us, right? Whether you see it or not, whether you realize it or not, God is always at work around you. Reality number two is relationship. God is after an intimate, personal relationship with you and me. Number three is invitation. God invites you to join in on a journey. Will you be the passenger in this car? Number four is God speaks. And I love that one because we often make it more difficult than it really is. God speaks to us just like our parents speak to us, just like someone in a close relationship speaks to us. He speaks to us. And we know he's speaking to us, but it's for us to recognize. Number five was crisis of belief. When you hear him speak and you realize it's him speaking, now is that, 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 that pivotal point. Do I believe it's God or do I not believe it's God? Today we want to talk about adjust. Adjust. And I had this, <laughs> I had this picture. Um, 
For those who have kids, yeah, all the parents in the audience, you can just exhale. When we brought our baby home, me and my beautiful wife, Pearl, she did all the work. I was just there, yeah, baby, you got this, right? But when it was time to leave the hospital and we had to take Ella home for the first time, oh, Lord Jesus, do you know how much of an adjustment that was? Like, they don't prepare you that if the baby is not sleeping, you really cannot sleep. No, some of you guys have good babies that sleep through the night, so you got tons of sleep, but we did not. We got hours, an hour and a half at a time in between Ella screaming. You talk about adjustments. Also, they don't tell you about the adjustment from when the baby first starts pooping, when it's, oh, the baby puked, to the, what the hell, Jesus, what was that? They don't tell you about that adjustment. They don't tell you that your house is no longer your own. They don't tell you that the adjustment of, oh, I used to sit up on Sundays and watch football on the big screen. Now I'm watching football on the little screen of my phone, right? Because the, t- the child's TV show has to be on because we don't want to put anything inappropriate before our child, right? They don't tell you about the adjustments of, oh, you thought you had a lot of money? Oh, no, no, no. Your child needs to eat. Your child needs diapers. Your child needs baby wipes. Your child needs clothes. You have to spend all your money on that little thing. They don't tell you about the adjustments of when you become a parent. But you willingly make those adjustments. And I can tell you, there's more areas in our life that we willingly make adjustments and we don't realize it. (laughs) When I moved from living in Detroit to Oklahoma, for those of you who are not black in the audience or you don't know what I'm talking about, but hear hear me out for the second. I went from living in Detroit, I was using the N-word all the time. That's how we were raised. What up? I'm not even going to use the word because I don't want to offend anybody, right? But every other word was the N-word. I'm talking about Nike, if you guys don't know what it is. (laughs) I don't know what you were thinking we were talking about. But the adjustment came. Now, I was in Oklahoma, surrounded by a predominantly white church, white people. It went from, what's up, to, how are you doing today, sir? (laughs) God bless you, yes. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It is a great day to be alive. <laughs> the adjustments that we make naturally. Or what about when you apply for a job? Oh, my goodness. You guys know I, I used to wear my pants saggy all the time. When I go apply for a job, I put a suit and tie on, pull my pants up, and sit properly. Properly, right? I show up on time. You know about the adjustments. What about when you're courting your wife? Those men. Oh, you put your best foot forward, don't you? Oh, you put, oh, they put the best foot forward, don't they? You think they're all lovey-dovey, that they care about your day. And they ask you questions, how are you doing? Doing After two, three years, you don't even ask those questions no more. You come home, she said, how are you doing? I'm all right, leave me alone, woman. Right? <laughs> I'm only looking from the man's perspective, because there's a woman's perspective as well. My wife had to make major adjustments to me. Her sense of smell went out the window. Because when I used the restroom, now I'm not even going to go there, but you get what I'm saying. She wasn't used to that adjustment. She wasn't used to her husband just, she knew me because we were in close relationship as friends for a long time. But she didn't realize that I am, I'm even more crazy than you thought. (laughs) Like, you really can't control me. I'm, I'm, if you tell me that you don't like something, I'm going to do that. Tell me you can't stand I'm picking on you. I'm picking on you all day. Tell me you can't stand me screaming. I'm screaming all day. 
She had to make the adjustment to say, baby, you know I love it when you do that, and then I won't do it then. I'm like, she, oh, she, just, she likes it, and I'm not going to do this, because I was trying to irritate her. There's adjustments that we make naturally. How come, the question is today, how come we don't make these adjustments when it comes when God tells us to do something? How come we don't make these adjustments? God asks us, I'm, I, I like to do this, I, like, I feel like I'm oh, just stepping, me step into the crowd right now. God asks us simple questions, simple things to do. Stephen, will you simply move from Rome, Georgia to Chicago? And what do we do? We give a list of reasons why we can't do that. It's too cold up there. I moved to the South for a reason, right? You, Chicago, you know how many people are, are getting shot down on a regular basis? I won't even be able to own a car, right? Because they're going to come and rob me of my car. You got all these excuses. My kids won't like it. What if, what if my kids have been in this school since they were kindergarten? What, what is that adjustment going to look like? We make all these excuses when God asks us to do something simple because we think it's about us. Because we think selfishly, and I'm not pointing, please don't hear me, I'm not saying that you're the only one to do that. Because when you point one finger at somebody, you actually have three pointing back at yourself. I'm talking about us. Why is it we're not willing to make the necessary adjustments to join God in what he is doing? We're going to look at that today. Because adults, we know how to make some adjustments. I know kids, I know our kids don't necessarily know how to make the adjustments, right? Our kids don't understand that you can't stay up late and get up early. Our kids don't understand that you can't um, eat just uh, cereal and candy and expect to be healthy. Our kids don't understand that you can't sit in your room and play video games and do what I asked you to do. Right? Our kids don't understand it, but we understand as adults. So God is saying, I want you to grow up as an adult in your Christianity. Stop being like a child and grow up as an adult. All right. Apostle Paul. We're going to look at Saul. Slash Paul. We're going to look at his life as we, as we look at these adjustments. So in Acts chapter 9, it says this. Chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters to address, sorry, he requested, he requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus asking for the uh, cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven, heaven some, suddenly, I gotta slow down, shunned down around him. He fell to the ground and heard the voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? He Saul asked. The verse replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do for me. I'll stop right there. Here's the story of Saul. We know right here that he persecuted the church. Even in one chapter, it tells us that he agreed with the killing of Stephen, who was somebody who they selected. I don't agree with killing Stephen, first of all, but they had selected him, and he, was, he agreed with the killing of Stephen. Paul ends up getting converted at this moment, Hearing from God, and his life completely changes. He becomes the great apostle Paul. The reason we have a lot of the books in the New Testament is because of the great apostle Paul. His conversion, his adjustments made at this point, 
changed the trajectory of his life. At this point, he was hell-bent on taking out anyone who believed in Jesus Christ. Then he had an encounter with Jesus. He heard God speak. He made some adjustments, and he became the great Apostle Paul. So we're going to look at a couple of questions of of why we need to make adjustments. I'm sorry. We're going to look at a couple of questions of adjustments today. And I want to make sure we understand this reality. Reality number six is adjust. You must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. This is extremely important. You must make major, I'm not talking about little small things like what's your shoestring color, which is a major adjustment to me. I'm not talking about what size your underwear, which is a small adjustment. I'm talking about major adjustments. All right, but the question is why? Why do we have to make major adjustments? Right, I'm thinking about like a kid. You know, when children, anytime you ask a child to do something, a lot of times their question, well, if it depends on what household you're raised on. In my household, we weren't allowed to ask why. In my household, we were to do or to die. You were not, asked, you were not to ask why, you're, you're to do or to die. Some households, you're allowed to ask why. My household right now, with my wife, they can ask why. Why? So the question is, why do we have to make major adjustments? First things first. You've got to understand that the way God does, does things is a lot different than the way you do things. How you want it done is completely different than how God would do it. And we notice this because he says this in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. He says this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. He didn't say my thoughts are kind of similar to what you think. He said, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How you think you can accomplish a task, God is like, that's not even how I'm thinking. My thoughts are far beyond what you imagine, what you can even think of. I would think, God, if I have a, p- a bill to be paid, you would place it on somebody's heart to give me the money so I can pay the bill. God was like, I'm thinking far beyond that. Maybe I would just pay the bill and you won't even know about it. Until you go in and say, how much is the bill? It's like it's been completely eradicated. God did these things all the time in the New Testament. Jesus was like, when he came to people and this person needed eyesight, he, he made mud out of ground. And he placed it on a person's eyes. Who would do that? When he wanted to go take over a land for the, um, the Jericho, he told the Israelites to walk around the walls every day for six days and then on the seventh day walk around seven times. That doesn't seem like a great plan to me. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. How you would do things is completely different to how God would do things. So it's up for us to find out how God is doing it. I know, you're saying, but I have a lot of great thoughts. <laughs> I'm a good thinker. I know you sit in bed at night and imagine all the ways that God can come through for you in your unique problem and issue. God, if only, and we even put God in the box. God, if you're going to heal me, then heal me this way, in this little box. When I get out the shower, let me be completely healed. Remember a couple weeks ago, my back was hurting. 
When I got up on stage and began to do the assignment that was given to me, then I was completely healed. Sometimes your healing won't take place until you're walking in full obedience to what he's asking you to do. We're talking about adjustments. So why? Why, 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 why I got to make adjustments? Sweet. One thing is because God's thoughts are way higher than your thoughts. How he's going to do it is completely different than how you plan to do it. Another way is if you look at what Jesus said to us. I love Jesus. He's our great example, right? When he came to earth, he had this dialogue with his disciples. He's like, I'm about to die. I'm going to be real. I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to rise again. Peter rebuked him. Oh, mighty Peter. Right? Peter put him aside. Hey, not with you. This is not how it's going to happen. I know you think this is a good way, God, but I got other plans. I got other ways of doing this. We can take over the whole world. Let's get you a speaker. Let's put you in a helicopter. And we can fly over. Everybody can hear that Jesus is Lord. And then you can jump off and parachute and then turn all the the air into money as it floats down to the people. Amazing plan. Jesus was like, I rebuke you because you think only the way humans think. And then he goes on to tell them this. This is where we, in Matthew chapter 16, he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, after rebuking Peter, he said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, If anyone wants to be my followers, I'm going to pause because I, I want to make sure you understand. He said, if anybody wants to be my, my followers, some translations say disciples. If anybody wants to follow after Jesus, if anybody chooses to call Jesus Lord of your life, That means you put Jesus in the driver's seat. You know, Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel. You have chosen for Jesus to take the wheel, right? Anyone who who wants to follow after me, he says what? That you must give up your own ways or deny yourself or refuse your own selfish thoughts and ideas and what you want. Take up your cross and follow him. Jesus said, you can't do following me the way you have been doing in the past. The why we can't just, why we need to make adjustments? Not just because God's ways is like that. And then Jesus said, because it never works that way. Have you ever had to line up kids in preschool? I used to, me and Pearl used to work in, in our little, in the preschool area, and Pearl did it all the time. Do you know the most frustrating things is, is to have a little human, and the, for them to line up in obedience? That's what God is like for us. He's like, come on, you guys, follow after me. He's like, I don't want to be in line. Or one person, there goes a butterfly. What's that butterfly? Another person said, teacher, I got to go potty. All these different things going on, all these different excuses. God's like, if you want to be my disciple, first of all, deny yourself. Stephen. You do not need that other pair of shoes. <sighs> deny yourself. I don't know what you need to deny. I don't know what adjustment you need to make in your own life. Deny yourself. Do you know there was a season that I couldn't even watch football? I know that's like sacrilegious, especially down here in Georgia country. Go dogs! Right? God was like, don't watch football during this season. I just want you to read the Bible. Deny yourself. Did he, was he saying that football is bad? 
Only when Michigan is losing. <laughs> That's when it stinks. But football is not bad. Deny yourself. I'm not sure what he's asking you to deny yourself of. The why is because yourself is in the way. Do you realize you can be in the way of what God is doing? Because you simply refuse to deny yourself. You refuse to say, God, I want it this way. Have you, I'm reading a story. I'm listening to the book online of Experience of God. And I'm also reading through the, the different um, devotionals. There was a story that Experience of God tells us where this couple felt called to go to Russia. And when they moved to Russia, um, they had given up everything they had. They were an old couple. And they got a little discouraged, a little disgruntled. And as he dwindled down the story, he finally came to the point and said, what happened was the couple expected them to treat them better. They were, they were there to minister the gospel to them. But because they were there, the people treated them worse than they thought they deserved. Because they figured they were making this great adjustment for Jesus. I was sacrificing all this for Jesus. And they were upset because people weren't flocking to them saying, Oh, this mighty couple, you have come here to give us Jesus. They were upset at people for not accepting them and treating them fairly. If that ain't selfishness at its finest, I don't know what is. What have you refused to deny? Maybe it's your taste buds. Mm. Here in the office, you guys know, I'm black. If, maybe you don't know that. I'm black. Hi, I'm Stephen. I'm black, right? It's identification, right? Pastor Victor is Hispanic. And at one point, we had Pastor Peter that was here, Pastor Cherish. A group of us in the office, we went to an Indian restaurant. That's a culture shock. I'm not talking, we're talking about, come on, you guys. I'm talking about country folks taking them to Indian. And I'm not talking, I'm not even going to get that. Not the feather, the dot. No. Okay. I'm, we went to an Indian restaurant. The culture shock for our people. I'm not saying that you need to go to a place and only eat Indian. I'm saying, are you willing to give up your taste buds by denying yourself to do what God is asking you to do? First adjustment. But why? Because it's not about you. It's about him. If we really believe that we're followers of Jesus. You do this for your kids all the time. My wife sacrificed for my kids all the time. And I'm like, baby, you need to eat. She's like, well, the kids need to eat first. I'm like, I don't even like the kids. I'm eating. Mamas are so good at sacrificing for the babies. And some dads are, but most dads are like, huh, no. I have sacrificed enough. I sacrificed my wife for you. That's enough. I'm just saying. We do this for our kids, but we won't do it for God, is what I'm getting at. Deny yourself. But why? Why? All right. Next thing. And I want you to understand, I'm, I, 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 Peter, Peter, Paul had to deny himself. He had to answer this why. We notice this in 8, 9. In Acts 8, 9. But Why? Saul was one of the witnesses, I said this before, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Here's what I want, I'm pointing out this picture for a reason. Because maybe Saul in his own flesh, he had to deny what he thought was right. He agreed completely with killing a believer. Maybe he had a taste for killing people. Maybe he, he loved the fact that he had got, become so high and mighty in the, the Pharisees that he was assigned to help bring everybody to justice. 
Saul had to deny this one taste bud in his life for the sake of following after God. Next question. Mm. But what? What is God asking you to sacrifice? You know, when I think about kids, kids always go, why? And then what are you asking me to do? It's the what. But what? I'm not going to give you a list of things that God is trying to ask you to sacrifice or deny or to adjust because that's the word we're using. But I can give you some examples. What? I can give you some examples. So here are some examples. Maybe it's your circumstances. This is written right in the book if you don't have the book. Maybe it's your circumstances, your job, your home, your finances, or others. Understand, when he called us, not he, he called me to move Detroit. He called me to move from everything I knew in Detroit, to leave my mommy and my daddy. I don't even like my mom that much, sorry. But she's not, <laughs> I'm sorry, right? He called me to leave my mom and my dad, to leave my five siblings, to leave everything I knew. I was working. I was living at home with my parents, which was amazing. I want to encourage you guys to stay at home with your parents. <laughs> it's so expensive out here, right? Circumstances and move to another place. Your relationships, your family, your friends, your businesses, your associates. Maybe that's the adjustment he's asking you to do. When I got saved, 1231-99, when I rededicated my life at Word of Faith International Christian Center in, in Southfield, Michigan, I had to leave all my old friends behind. My best friends, Greg, Antonio, and Purvis, they could not go with me on this journey. They, become my, they became, two of them became my brother Michael's uh, best friend, and that's a whole other story. We're not even going to go there right now. All right. Maybe he wants you to adjust your thinking. And I, you guys know, I love this because I'm a black man in the South. I can be just as prejudiced as other people are prejudiced towards me. But if I'm to love you, then I don't see any prejudices. If I love you, I look past where you were raised, how you were born, the group, your color of your skin, your education background, the amount of money you have. Maybe he wants to adjust your prejudices. Maybe he has me speaking, you're laughing for the reason so that he can tear down the walls of that. To give you a picture, Pearl's father did not necessarily like me when we got married. I can understand why. She's Indian, I'm black, right? I can understand why. It's a culture thing. But when we brought Ella into the picture, oh, he was in love with us. That little cute bundle of joy broke down those barriers. Whatever it takes to break down those barriers so you can make the adjustments, so you can follow God, let it happen. That's all I'm trying to say. Maybe he wants to adjust your commitments. I know people who make commitments to run marathons, so they're running miles and miles at a time, but they're not reading books, the Bible at all. Maybe your commitments are getting in the way of what God is calling you to do. Commitments to family, even commitments to church. If you're so busy that you don't have time for God, let's adjust our commitments. Maybe it's your actions, how you pray, how you serve. Maybe it's your beliefs. What do you believe about God? 
Now, I'm not digging into these things. I'm just saying some of the things that God may want to adjust. What do you believe about God? His purpose, his ways, how he does things. Do you believe that God is your source? He wants to adjust that. Okay. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this. Uh, It's just a repeat of what we already said. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and my ways are higher than your ways. Let's pick up in Paul's life, because he had to make some personal adjustments. In Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 16, it says this. Now there was a uh, a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, go over to the straight seat. (laughs) I'm making adjustments. That's what I'm doing. Go over to straight seat. Street. To the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying for me right now. I have shown him in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard, I mean, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things that this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But Lord... But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Two people got adjusted in this story. And Ananias had his own prejudice against Saul. He had to make those adjustments. Paul had his own prejudice towards Christians. And God had to show him things that he was going to have to adjust in his future. I'm just pointing out the what. What are the areas that God wants to adjust in your own personal life? I encourage you to make those adjustments. Let it be said of us that no matter what God asks, we're willing to do and give up whatever he asks. Now, the question is how much? How much? It's why? Why do I have to adjust? What? What does he ask me to just? And how much? As a dad, I often ask my kids that, right? Because they want to, Daddy, will you buy me a new phone? How much? Daddy, can I get some money? How much? Daddy, can you buy this for me? How much? The question is, how much? How much is God asking us to adjust? How much? So we, we, we answer this question by, uh, it will cost us to make Let me make sure I read this right. How much will it cost us if we make this adjustment to obey God? I want to tell you, there's no price point that you can put on it. It's going to be very costly. It's going to be very costly. I'm not even sugarcoating it. This is not a a casual walk with God. Do you know when I was growing up, maybe a lot of you guys noticed, I wanted to design shoes. I like shoes. I wanted to design shoes. I wanted to be an architect. It cost me all the things that I thought of as a, before I, when I was a child. I also wanted to be Superman, but that's a whole other story, right? <laughs> I, it cost me my own dreams, if you will, of becoming a shoe designer to becoming a pastor, which is not a glamorous position. I work with them. 
I have teenagers who give me attitude all the time. Thank you, Alex, for single-handedly doing that, yes. Right? It's going to cost you. The old saying is, it may cost you a little, it may cost you a lot, but it's going to cost you. What is it going to cost? Some of us will cost sleep. God may call you to be a, a prayer warrior where you stand up in the middle of the night praying all day and night. I don't know. It may cost you family and friends. Maybe you're not as popular as you thought you were. Because when you start serving the Lord, people start looking at you differently and they no longer like you and want to hang out with you. It may cost you relationships. That girl or boy that you thought was your, your boyfriend or girlfriend that's going to live with, I love them, they're going to be with me for the rest of my life. And then you become a Christian. God's like, uh, not that one. It may cost you a job because you can no longer, make sure you say, my dad owned a company with a group of men that were unsaved. And it cost us a lot of money because when he left that money, total comfort, he didn't we no longer had that money. We were balling out of control. My mother had the American Express and we were charging clothes and shoes like crazy. We wouldn't worry about it because my dad was paying for it. When he left that job because he could not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, it cost us a lot. What is it going to cost you? I want you to see what it cost Paul. Because Saul became Paul. And I want you to, he gave us a list of the things that he had to adjust for God. He says this in 2 Corinthians. He lists the things in 2 Corinthians. These are the adjustments that Paul had to make. I'm not saying you will have to make these adjustments. Some people may. We know about missionaries who have given their life for the sake of the gospel. We know about people who have been called out of their comfort zone to do great things for the Lord. It costs them greatly. But this is a list of what it costs Paul. It says this in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? This is Paul speaking. I know I should sound like a madman, but I have served them far more. I have worked harder, been in prison more often. Come on now. As a, as a servant of God, I have been in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. They stopped short of 40 because they were afraid that 40 would kill an individual. Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beat with the rod. I don't know if you've ever been playing with your, your brother or sister and they hit you in the head with a rod. That hurts. Once I was stoned, and he ain't talking about the kind where you, okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's a sacrifice for Jesus. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in cities, in deserts, and in seas. I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry, hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of concerns for all the churches. Who is weak? And I'm not feeling that weakness. 
Who is led astray, and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how I am weak. I would rather boast about the adjustments that I've had to make. God the Father, our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, we can stop right there. Paul lists all these things that he had to adjust for the sake of the gospel. And I even think, personally, I go, well, Paul, well, you were killing Christians. That's shame on you. That's like payback. No, 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 no. The reason Paul had to make all these adjustments was because he was completely committed to God. There was nothing that he wouldn't do for his God. There's nothing that he wouldn't do for his Lord. Because when he heard God speak, he made the adjustments, and he did it. Despite what was coming up against him. He counted the cost. He said, no matter what happens, I'm following God. Have you counted the cost? Have you determined that no matter what God asks you to do, you're going to make the adjustments? No. I know we talk about this. It's not a simple thing just to pick up your life and move across the country. I thought about this week, about the adjustment that my wife had to make. Yes, she married me. (laughs) It's not that big of an adjustment, right? I'm a good guy. But she has not been, she's from South Africa. And since we've been married, you've been home, what, three, four times? Four, three, I don't know what you're saying. Whatever, three or four times. She's a lot closer to her family than I would ever be. The sacrifice that she made to follow God is far beyond that I can even imagine. I'm like two hours away from anybody close. She's like 20-some hours on a good day in a flight from her family. Can you picture someone who was raised to, be, to make family so important that family comes first to sacrifice that very core of your belief because you're following God. Then she followed God and married a black man who was not the most educated being in the world. The sacrifice this woman has made has been tremendous. All because she's hearing God's voice. What are you willing to sacrifice? If God told you to leave Rome, Georgia today, would you leave? Or are you so set on being here in the South, in your comfort zones? I'm just saying. But how much? It's costly, is what we're getting at. Jesus even told us to count the costs. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 14. And we're just going to read one verse. We're not going to read them all, but I want to make sure I have the correct verse we want to read. Uh, I don't even have the right verse. I've got to read it. All right. A large crowd, verse 25, a large crowd was following Jesus, and he turned around uh, to see them. He says, if you want to be my disciples, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Notice what he says. Your father and your mother. Well, that's easy. I don't even like my parents, right? Your wife and your children. He said, hate everyone else by comparison. Your brother and your sister. Yes, even your own life. 
Otherwise, you cannot be my disciples. And if you do not carry your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciples. Here's what's important. But don't begin until you what? Count the cost. You got to count the cost to following Jesus. Is it worth it? <laughs> that song came out here. Is it worth it? Let me work. Never mind. Okay. Some of you guys, I'm not saved. Jesus is working on me, right? But you got to count the cost. Is it worth following Jesus? Yes. It is worth every bit of it. And how do I know that? Because God often repays you for what you're doing. Remember, he took me away from my mother and my father, my brothers. When I got to Maryland, he gave me a new mom and dad. He gave me two moms. Gave me a new mom and dad. Gave me new siblings. I thought I was broke, busted, and disgusted. At 25, I had a, I had a, a quarter-life crisis because I was an intern. Work, no, I was a children's ministry. I had like $5 in my bank account, and I had debt galore. Then he decided a couple of years later, oh, I'm going to get you married. Because I wasn't married. I thought I was going to have a kid. I had to deny all those things. He said, I'm going to give you a baby. I'm going to give you... First, I got married. <laughs> I did the right way. Got married. Then we had kids. It cost me. But God repaid it. When you look back, if you're following God, you will see the ways that God had came through for you. At one time, I was the only one in my family that owned my house, as in my brothers, that owned my house, following God. What way will God make it through for you, will come through for you? But count the cost, because it's going to cost you. But is it worth it? Absolutely. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like having the peace of God that passes all understanding, that controls your heart. In your mind. There's nothing like knowing that you don't have the money to pay these bills, but you have been faithful with a little bit, and God shows up out of nowhere, and your bills get paid. It's nothing like when somebody comes to your house and delivers you food because they're like, you know what, God just placed on our heart to give you all this meat, right, so you guys can have food to eat. You guys, there's nothing like following God and know that he has placed you on our heart, and somebody reaches out to you and says, you know what, let's go have dinner or have lunch because God placed you on my heart today. Those are the little things that God does in your life. It's nothing like knowing that you're following God and you stand up and you proclaim a message and you think you bombed. You failed. Like, what did I say? Did anybody hear it? And then then you hear back from people. Man, that was the best message I've heard in my life. And I go, I don't know who you heard it from because it wasn't me. Those are the things that God does. You're making a sacrifice for him. He's going to show up. He's going to show up. Is it costly? Yes. So how much? It's going to cost you. But I'm going to tell you again, no matter what it costs, it's a good thing. No matter what it costs. We're burning right through these things. All right. I also want to tell you guys that it's not just costly for you. It's costly for people around you. It's going to cost your family as well. If you're making these adjustments, it's going to cost your family, your friends, those closest to you as well. We know this, not just from the Bible, but personal. If you give birth to a child, and then you have to release that child to Jesus to do whatever he wants, 
that separation is a costly thing for your family. My wife's family had to deal with that. My parents had to deal with that. Knowing that we just trust in God to do his work in your life, so wherever you go, whatever you do, God got you, that's a costly separation. Your kids will be impacted if you follow God. They will. But when you're following God, you ain't got to worry about it because God will take care of them as well. He will come alongside of you. He will raise your kids. He will hold your hand. Not, this is not a point for you to neglect your kids, but allow God to use you to minister to them even more. And he will put people in their life to speak to them, to help encourage them so that they don't bump their head along the way. When you're following God, it doesn't just affect you, it affects those around you. Here's what happened to Paul. And I'm not even going to go there, but I want to read what happened. Paul and Silas, they were preaching. Paul, whoever they were preaching with, there was a group of them that was preaching in the area. And everybody in that area got upset. The Jews, they were angry. The house where Paul was staying at, they came looking for him. His name was Jason. They came looking. They banged on Jason's door looking for Paul and his, his companions. They weren't there. So what did they do? They grabbed Jason up and everybody was in the household and took him and threw him in the jail. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost those around you. Because they have association with you. When you dare to do something for God, the enemy is not pleased. He's going to be angry. And he knows that if he can discourage any of you, he can just, if he can cause any of your family members to choose not to follow God, that would throw you off your tracks. It's going to cost people. Understand, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But God says, I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost those around you, but it's worth the cost. Here's why, though. Because I go back to the first point. The why is because we're ultimately are just passengers in what God is trying to do. The beautiful picture is God has said, hey, here's what I'm about to do. Will you join me in what I'm doing? Our last question that it often asks is, to whom? And this question really don't make sense, but bear with me. The adjustments you're making is to God. You're saying, God, I completely surrender it all to you because I'm just a passenger in the car. Here's what happens. We know this from the stories in the Bible. God comes to Moses and said, I want to free the Israelites, and I want to use you. Did he tell Moses that you have to free the Israelites? No. We often think that God is telling us that we have to do it. And that's the problem. That's the breakdown. We need to be completely dependent on God and not us. It's a switch in thinking. When God comes to you and asks you to do something, he's saying, I am going to do a great work within the people around you, this area, but I just want you to join me in on it. It's not God saying, hey, I want you to do this great work. God is saying, look what I'm about to do. Will you join me in it? The switch is complete dependency on God. So when you're praying, you're asking God, God, what do you want to do in this area? How do you want to use me? I surrender to you. If you want to do it that way, I'm going to do it that way. You're hearing for his game plan how he wants to do it because it's not the same as yours. As we make these adjustments, I'm going to call the worship team up. As we make these adjustments, understand these, th- these things. Why you need to make these adjustments. 
Because it's not about you. It's about God. How he does things are completely different than you, how you do things. What are the adjustments he's going to make? He's going to ask you to make all types of different adjustments. Maybe it's to your house. Maybe it's to the friends you hang out with. Maybe it's to your finances. Maybe it's to the way you think. I don't know. How much is it going to cost? It may cost you a little. It may cost you a lot. But it's going to cost you. But are you willing to pay the price? And ultimately, more importantly, when you're making these adjustments, it's to God. So you're, you're making the adjustments to show God how much you're completely dependent on him. That you wouldn't have it no other way. Do you love God with all your heart, all your body, all your soul? Are you, or do you have other gods before him? Are you completely dependent on him? So that if he asks you to jump off a building... Let me back up. <laughs> that sounds crazy, right? That he's asked you to make a jump out of Rome into another area, you're willing to do it. Or if he asks you to go minister to a, to a group of people that you have nothing in common with, you would go do it. Are you willing to make the adjustments necessary to join in on what God is doing? That's what this whole experience in God is. And let me just say this. There's also personal adjustments for when you're asking God to do something in your life. Some of you guys are asking God for a financial breakthrough. He's like, you need to adjust how you manage money. I called you to be a steward of money, and you're not stewarding the funds at all. Some of you guys are asking for healing, and he said, I told you to get up, and you're still sitting on your butt. Some of you guys are asking God for a job. And he said, I told you to adjust the jobs that you're looking for. You're going out for management positions. Honey, dear darling, sweetheart, you are a burger flipper. Become a burger flipper. (laughs) There are some personal adjustments. So while you're here today, I like what we did last week. But go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes for me. God, I just thank you. That everyone on the sign of my voice, Holy Spirit, you are speaking to them right now about adjustments that you want to make in our life. I thank you that we'll be a group of people, a church that is fully devoted and sold out to do whatever you tell us to do. Today, Holy Spirit, as you're speaking to them, give them the boldness to step out and do what you're asking them. Speak to us, God. Doing this next song, as the worship team sings, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up here. Because I feel like some of you guys heard a word from God about an adjustment that you need to make. And you need somebody to pray with you. It says in his word, where two or more are gathered in his name, ask, touching and asking our Father of anything in heaven, it shall be done. So they want to pray with him for you. So our, our prayer partner is going to come up. And it's just time with you and the Lord. Our worship team's going to sing and do whatever God is telling you to do. Be bold to make that adjustment. Amen. Isn't he a worthy God? Man, I tell you what.
Thank you, Pastor Stephen, for that good message this morning. This prayer team is going to be up here. Yeah, give them a... Uh, the prayer team will be up here after service as well. I know there's some people here that you need prayer today. You need somebody to agree with you in prayer. I'm going to share something, be real honest, that I learned this morning. You know, I thought I knew a lot about God and what He can do. Sometimes we put a lot of limits on Him. You know, if some of you have been coming here for a while, you've noticed out in the back here by the main entrance that there's been a water leak. For how many months now? Before Christmas, I believe. Water leaking out. We had to put cones out there because we got so slippery that people were falling. As Pastor Jody's been going, I've been helping just watch the finances here. We've been praying to come up with the money to fix the leak. Man, we got a plan. We had plumbers come. We drilled holes out there. We ran cameras down there. We're going to figure this thing out. All we needed was the money to figure it out, how to get it fixed. So months went on. We had different people here. Nobody could figure it out, where the, where the water was coming from, why it was leaking. I walk in this morning and the water's gone. You know what I learned? Sometimes God has a whole different way of doing things than we planned. And we had it all figured out. All we needed was the money to do it. And all we had to do was ask God, God, stop the water leak. We didn't even ask Him. We didn't even pray for Him. We, t- we wanted it to be stopped our way, but we didn't have to do that. So it leads me into talking about finances. I'm not going to tell you to quit giving today because we need you <laughs> to keep supporting the church. So there's different ways to do it. But I realized today that it's not my money. It's not your money. It's all His However he wants to do things with this body here, I'm going to invite you guys to come alongside with what we're doing because I believe that was a sign from him that you've got to get your house in order. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's been a tough time here since COVID for the church and for the finances. And we need other people to step up and come alongside of us. So if you're willing to do that, I'm going to invite you to do that today. Thank you for being generous and doing that. But I really believe that when we get our house in order... You know that in your personal finances as well as in our church finances as well, that God's going to provide. So when you go out there today, just thank him that that sidewalk is dry, please. Okay. I asked Pastor Stephen, I asked Sandra, what's going on? They said, I don't know. And I said, we don't need to know. So it's dry. Uh, as always, we're going to send you out with a blessing out of number, out of, uh, yeah, wherever we're at. Um, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.